If you're planning on getting three sheets in the wind this Halloween, treat yourself to the best in booze at Good Spirits. Located at 1202 First Street, Jessup, Georgia. So remember... Every witch and werewolf, ghoul and goblin, fang or claw, lift your spirits with Good Spirits. Not responsible for magic potions, creature comforts, or liquid courage. And it wasn't but a few short years after that that he uh, enlisted in 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 the war between the states, and uh, he made it through that. I'm glad he did. <laughs> You wouldn't be around. I wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'd have a lot more room on this couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it wouldn't be near as fun. <laughs> no. Another episode of Something in the Water podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean Clark, and I'm Uncle Dave Griffin. And our guest this week, we're so happy to have Miss Eloise Justice, <laughs> right here in Wake Cross, Ware County, Georgia. Uh, currently, she is. I don't know what your title is at Kroger. What would you What would you call your title there? I run this uh, youth scan department. Okay. Where you ring up your own groceries. She is the, you know, most uh, people like uh, uh, places like Walmart, they have the greeters. She's the fareweller. She's, <laughs> <laughs> she's the last person I always see when I go to Kroger. But uh, she works over there in, the, they got like uh, six or seven uh, uh, checkout places there where you can check out your own groceries and bag them and everything <laughs> and she's the uh supervisor and uh, help helper right there in that section and uh probably three times out of ten i'm gonna have an issue with the machines because <laughs> it's always barking at me saying a Kroger associate will be with you in just a moment and i said i've done something again well, we are glad to have you, Eloise. Um, uh, little history on Eloise. Uh, besides Kroger, um, she and I uh, worked a few years at the same place back in the 90s at the Waycross Post Office. Uh, and we got uh, some stories we could tell you, but we won't. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, she's also uh, one of the, uh, as long as I've known you, I've always associated you with dancing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, kind of let the folks at home there, uh, uh, how did you get into dancing? Uh, After the children graduated from high school <laughs> and left home, and uh, it was... Uh, something I just started doing and yeah. I took clogging lessons over in Blackshear yeah. and then had to quit because my daughter was in band and the other one was in gymnastics so I didn't have time for my clogging so I just let it go and yeah. waited until they graduated and left home and then I did what I wanted to do there and you go. I'd go to the Bluegrass Festivals, and uh, they used to have a group of cloggers there. Yeah. 
and I wasn't in that though, and I never was, but um, I started clogging by myself, what they call freestyle. Yeah. I clogged by myself, and I'd created my own steps. Right. Routines. And routine, mm-hmm. and uh, from that, I started clogging up on stage at the Bluegrass Festivals, and then Middlewood Drive Band. Okay. They started taking me everywhere they played, and I would clog. <laughs> And uh, ended up every people that knew me everywhere I go. If there's some music that I can clog by, they want me to clog. You gonna clog for us? <laughs> you gonna clog for us? So, well, you man. must be good at it, dude. I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you are. I, I'm pretty sure I've seen you dance before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've uh, used to help Paul Lee run sound out there at um, Twin Oaks. Mm-hmm. You, is yes. that some of the places you would do it? That's where I'd go. Mm-hmm. I've probably seen you too. Twin Oaks is uh, is a, a bluegrass park uh, uh, between here, uh, between Waycross and Hoboken. Mm-hmm. It's probably about eight miles from Waycross. Isn't that Slaughterville? Slaughterville mm-hmm. is the name of the little community there. But it's mm-hmm. High Rock Road. Is that the name of the road? Mm-hmm. High Rock? And uh, there's a church that sits out High Rock on the right, on the way to Twin Oaks Bluegrass Park. Uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the church, but High it's Bluff. High Bluff. Yeah. That's right. And I should have known that because mm-hmm. that's where all my Griffin ancestors are mm-hmm. buried. I've been talking about way back. Yeah. I was out there playing a dedication ceremony for one of the uh, graves, and. Uh, I got to walking around out there and uh, kept following the the headstones and right way down the hill there underneath a big old tree, uh, there was a Griffin tombstone in seventeen hundreds and I thought, oh my gosh, can I? I couldn't hardly believe seventeen hundreds. Yes, wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, born in the seventeen hundreds at least. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just. That grabs you a little bit because growing up, well, especially here in the South, it seems like, you know, we pay a lot of attention to uh, the genealogy and stuff. Um, Your folks uh, were from, were they from the swamp? Uh, Around the swamp. Around the swamp. My grandfather used to own a farm. They came across South Carolina, okay, and uh, some of them had a farm up there in Round Claxton, mm-hmm. and my great grandfather died and was buried up there, right. and eventually they come out on across to Waycross, and my grandfather had a farm out at Wasboro, oh, okay, a long time ago, and then eventually he moved back over here to Waycross. And mm-hmm. right behind Woodard Godwin Church yeah. Chapel is a road called Strickland Road. Mm-hmm. And about six or seven miles up that road on the right-hand side, there's a little clump of pecan trees. Yeah. And that was his farm up there. How about that? He owned a farm up there. And, mm-hmm. You know where Strickland Road is? Mm-hmm. There. Uh, mm-hmm. Um you're hitting some uh, you're bringing back a lot of memories right there Woodard Godwin mm-hmm. uh, had a church and a school mm-hmm. uh, they did. one of the oldest schools in Ware County is an old uh, wooden schoolhouse that I I can always recall when we'd uh, head out uh, towards Hoboken on the Brunswick Highway heading to uh Grandma's and Granddaddy's farm, uh, just this side of Hoboken, would would be driving by. All I could look out my window to the right, and all I could see was woods. But Mama'd be saying, "Right there it is." <laughs> and you, if you peek through the trees quick enough, you could see an, uh, a dilapidated structure there. And she'd always tell me that's. Mm-hmm. Woodard Godwin Elementary School. Right. <laughs> <take it>. mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was it was like ancient history. 
to me, but I think my uh, brother, who's three years older than me, I think he attended school briefly out there in the in the fifties. May may have been in the fifties, yeah. Uh, so uh, your folks uh, from this area now did. Uh, didn't you say your daddy was a dancer as well? He was one of the best buck dancers. Is that right? That's right. <laughs> buck dancing. Sure was. Tell, mm. us, tell us what. Tell us about buck dancing. Well, that's what the people did on mm-hmm. the swamp. Mm-hmm. I do have a video that was made in the swamp park with Pernell Roberts, and yeah. it shows the early oh, days of a cabin, <laughs> and this man out there in a pair of overalls. Buck dancing, that was a big thing. Now, back when my mama was a teenager, she said that if her brother, Uncle Henry, ever went to hooking up the mule and wagon, <laughs> her and her sisters were thrilled to death because that meant they were going to what they call a frolic. Uh-huh. They'd all gather up and dance and probably uh-huh. like square dance and different <laughs> stuff the young people did. And, and mom... Uh, Grandpa and Granny would let them go with their brother, Uncle Henry, because they knew he would take care of their sisters. Mm-hmm. But they went in the mule and wagon, not like we do today. <laughs> yeah. Where did Buck? What is? Why is, why is it Buck? What What does Buck? It's kind of an action, for? isn't it? Like you kind of. I don't really know where the name Buck came in, but I know it was. Uh, uh, it was uh, the the sound of the feet. Uh-huh. They they tapped out of. In the buck dance, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm thinking of several things. I've I've I remember when I was little, I owned a a pair of white bucks shoes. Yeah, that were was called pro- white shoes. bucks. Uh-huh. But why those? I don't know. It's probably if before the that. shoe was called a buck. And that could relate to the dance. But they might have did the dancing in the white buck shoes and therefore got the name buck And dancing. what about buckboard? I, I remember the term buckboard like on a wagon, buckboard. Yeah. So yeah. they might have danced on a board or something. Mm-hmm. I've heard of, heard of that being mm-hmm. done. Like well, they throw like a, and, like a piece of plywood out and dance right. on it. And you, uh, you were saying that there's uh, – style different styles in different regions too you're talking about yes uh i know um in um up in north carolina when they'd have the buck dancing contest Mm -hmm. they would put them up on a table so they could hear the beat underneath the table and that's the way they were judged by the beat coming off of their feet on the table wow that's neat. So you got buck dancing. I've always heard clogs, clogging. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, what was the other one you were telling us about? About shuffling the feet in Kentucky. They do the slew foot. Slew foot. It's called slew foot. The Kentucky slew foot. Yep, that's what they call it. A group of people came down here to mm-hmm. the bluegrass festival, and. Uh, some people from this bluegrass festival saw how they danced and they brought them down here so we could watch them dance. Wow. And it was, uh, they don't pick their feet up as high and they they slide their feet. Yes, uh, it's called slew foot. Uh, is it still about the noise? Or, or is it, uh, no, they don't make a lot of noise. Yeah. It's just the action. Mm-hmm. It was different. So that's up in the hollers and the hills and the hollers mm-hmm. up there. I've seen a lot of that dancing on different on movies. When you're on a hill, you got to keep your foot close to I've the dirt. I've seen them though. <laughs> I, I think I know what the slew foot is. It's kind of just a. It's 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 like you say. It's a slide more than anything. They they do a lot of. But uh, they're good at it. I mean, <laughs> who was the uh, Jesco? Where are they from? He's from a. Uh, West Virginia. West Virginia. Uh-huh. His daddy was famous. The Whites. Jesco White. White. He's kind of a train wreck, but uh, <laughs> his daddy was on Grand Ole Opry, I believe. 
I think his name might have been Donald White, Donnie White, or something. Was he a dancer? He was a dancer, and uh, that's where Jesco got it from. Jesco was Jesco got all into drugs and in the his fifties or so. Or yeah, he's fifties. Now yeah. I I don't know for sure, but I think the the clogging came from the Irish. Them mm-hmm. doing like the river dance thing. Mm-hmm. Clogging is a lot like that, mm-hmm. but uh, they add the higher steps to it. In mm-hmm. the, uh, the Irish, in the yeah, they get up the high with the knees. They added the high kicking their feet around and everything, mm-hmm. but it's basically like clogging. Mm-hmm. It's it's a uh, it's amazing. It's a lot like songs and music and everything. Mm-hmm. Dancing is is oh, it's always been intertwined. Mm-hmm. With the music, but it's it's got its own uh, it's got its own <laughs> history. Uh, history uh, stands alone outside of the music. I mean, you got different dances, you got mm-hmm. different uh, stars right. <laughs> among the dancers. Yes, you know, you the do. ones that uh, names that really uh, shine. Yeah. Well. Uh, we had a little brief history um, there at the post office, and uh, we kind of know a lot of the same folks through that and everything. And uh, so how long is it? That was back in the nineties. How long were you there? Ten, ten years. Ten years. That mm-hmm. got, you, got you vested. <laughs> with a retirement, mm-hmm. or I did, did. <laughs> did no, uh, were unless they they branded you a uh, what was a casual, right. was that what mm-hmm. you, they hired you as, and that kind of aggravates me a little bit in the way that they were able to. If they hired you as a casual. They didn't have to do anything as far as. Uh, Benefits mm-hmm. or no. uh, retirement, insurance, health insurance, none of that stuff. That was a shame, too, because y'all worked uh, just as hard as, as the rest of us did. I started there in uh, 85 as a part-time flexible uh, with the emphasis on flexible. They would... <laughs> work my bony behind any <laughs> way they wanted to. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually I uh, moved into full-time. And uh, when I ended there, I was working the the front window. And... Uh, well, now I have to tell you something. I had edge over a lot of the others. I guess it's been long enough time I can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I worked 10 hours every day I worked there. Really? You didn't know that. No. <laughs> so you got uh, like uh, every uh, time 50-hour weeks or, or more. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking with Phil Larrisy one day <laughs> about what we're making, and he says... Heck, you're making as much money as I am almost. <laughs> I said, yes, but you're doing yours in eight hours, and I'm doing it in 10 hours. <laughs> yeah. I did 10 hours every single day. It's a long time, long hours. But I made good money. You know, mm-hmm. I made more money that way. That's right. Mm-hmm. I was a good worker, so they let me work as long as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Good. We had some good and bad times down there. <laughs> there was uh, quite a few characters too mm-hmm. that worked down there. Uh, uh, what struck me about it was, uh, well, I've always loved to uh, kind of observe the human condition. You know, <laughs> I pay attention to people and how their little quirky ways and stuff. 
I just sit there, sit back and observe them. You know, the one thing about them folks down there was they would give you a nickname when you started working <laughs> there. Everybody had nicknames. What and, was your nickname? Uh, thermometer. Thermometer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I've heard a lot of your nicknames, but I hadn't heard that one. Well, here's how the post office worked. They liked to uh, take your uh, your biggest uh, uh, physical defect <laughs> and and uh, ramp it up, you know. <laughs> so the guy that had uh, big ears, uh, uh, radar Arnold Hickox, they called him. Uh, uh, Wagon wheel. <laughs> you know, like the Conestoga wagons with the spare tire, with yeah. spare wheels on the side of the wagon. They called him wagon wheel just because his ears stood out. Wow. Uh, what was the thermometer about you being cold? Thermometer, I always used to wear a red Coca-Cola cap, ball cap, to work. I was working three o'clock shift in the morning, you know, three and get off at 1130. And... Uh, um, Every morning, I'd get up out of bed, throw that ball cap on, throw my clothes on, and haul ass to the post office and get there just in time to clock in at three. <laughs> so you were skinny and red on the top. That's why you were smiling. I had a red cap on, and I was thin as a thin as a, a rail. And uh, Luther Thrift nicknamed me that. He said... Uh, <laughs> You look just like a thermometer without a cap on. <laughs> he had a he had a laugh. Eloise Thrift. Did you have a nickname there? Not that I know of. <laughs> I guess I was lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Larcy that you mentioned, he I think they called him Satchel Ass. Was his nickname. Um, oh, Tom Barnes. Uh, his daddy originally was was one of the uh, uh, super, was one of the postmasters in Waycross, mm -hmm. Norman Barnes, but Tom talked just like this. He said, "You could hear him that monotone drone." <laughs> uh, you'd be sitting back there in the early hours of the morning. You'd hear that. Mm -hmm. Just cutting through the boat. <laughs> they named him uh, Motorboat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rooster was uh, a nickname for Jerry Johnson. Oh, yeah. Remember he had, <laughs> he, he had red hair, yep. what was left of it, and he did the comb over, mm -hmm. you know. He'd grow it long on one side and he'd mm -hmm. comb it over. So a rooster has comb, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, had a bunch of bunch of times there. Did y'all work together? Yeah, we did briefly. I mean, mm -hmm. I was uh, up front uh, starting in '93 and uh, and. You, if, if you started uh, in 92 or 93, we most definitely worked in the back because I did work. That was where I, I, I worked was as a clerk in the back, throwing off them. I worked in them uh, newspapers many a, many a night. And uh, I recall, yeah, I recall you there the biggest test that i ever had at the post office was wayne came over there to me one day and you know where they kept the classified mail behind that lock in that cage mm -hmm. lock the doors all the time mm -hmm. came over there to me one day and he said come with me and he took me over there to where the classified mail unlocked the door and told me, he said, I want you to go in there and clean that room. It needed cleaning. Hadn't been cleaned in a long time. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, sure, you know. I thought it was just like any other job. So I went in there and took my cleaning stuff and my rags and everything, and I went to cleaning. <laughs> and I stayed in there till I wiped every shelf and everything clean. 
And finally, I looked around, and I said, well, I guess I've got it. So I hollered and told him, all right, Wayne, I'm ready. <laughs> so he I, locked you in there. I thought he was he'd come and unlock the door, and I thought he'd let me out. <laughs> he come in there and pulled out a pair of white gloves. Oh, no. <laughs> pulled out a pair of white gloves and went to putting them on his hands. <laughs> and I thought, oh, Lord, I'll have a heart attack. <laughs> uh, he was fixing to give me the white glove test. Yeah, uh, and I didn't know that's what he was going to do. Yeah. So you can imagine well, how I nervous know. I yeah. got. <laughs> he put them gloves on and he went to going around that room, rubbing them shells <laughs> and then looking at that glove. And he got through. They weren't a speck on their gloves. He said, <laughs> My passed. I took a good deep breath. <laughs> I passed. I cleaned the room. Heck yeah. <laughs> he didn't lock you back in there, huh? But I never, <laughs> never forgot that experience because when you take that white glove test, boy, you get nervous. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. But I passed, so I was happy. <laughs> Well, tell us some of the places uh, that your dancing has taken you. <laughs> well, I started talking, I think, at the Bluegrass Festivals. Mm -hmm. And then I, I went to uh, Nashville, Tennessee on a tour. And just as I got through eating, they called my name out. <laughs> and I looked around, I said, they call my name, <laughs> and they said yes. Said, uh, and it was Barbara Mandrell's guitar picker. Oh wow! Oh boy! And he said, "I hear you gonna clog for us." I said, "I am." <laughs> <laughs> so I walked up on stage, and um, he uh, looked at me, and he said, uh, "How fast do you want me to pick?" <laughs> I looked at him. I said, "As fast as you can." I don't dance slow. <laughs> and he tore out to picking, and I tore out to clogging. All right. And I mean, I did the best I could because there were about 5,000 people oh, wow. on the General Jackson all looking right at me, yeah. clogged. But let me tell you something. I must have done a good job because when I got through <laughs> uh, Barbara Mandrell's guitar picker, he looked out in the audience, he says, don't nobody help this woman off of the stage. She can get off by herself. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked right off that stage and right back to my chair. <laughs> All right. Uh, What's the General Jackson? Is that a showboat? Is that a yeah, boat? Yeah, a dinner cruise. Okay. It was on dinner. A, like a paddle wheel boat? Yeah, like something that. like that. It goes down to the... the Town of Na uh, Nashville. Yeah. It cruises down there and then comes back. And yeah. You, you have dinner and a show. Mm-hmm. So never... somebody set you up, didn't they? Yeah, they, they did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid so. And um, and I went with another group uh, on down the Cincinnati-Ohio River. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, we got on the boat, and we could see the Cincinnati Reds playing baseball over there on the side. <laughs> we, were, we were going down the river, and we could see them playing baseball over there. Yeah. We didn't have to pay to see them playing, <laughs> watching off of the boat. <laughs> and, of course, there were some people on the boat that knew I clogged, and so uh -huh. they put in, you got a clog, you got a clog for us. And so I clogged on the that cruise. Yeah. And of course I went to Myrtle Beach and I've clogged there and everywhere I go if there's somebody there that knows I can clog, naturally they want me to mm -hmm. clog. Well let me ask you this. Now you can clog but uh and in Myrtle Beach there's you call it the shag, beach music dancing. Mm -hmm. Can you, your love of dancing, can you just jump over into any kind of dance pretty much? Yes, I can. And just, <laughs> you're uh, that yeah. adept and at it that you can do that. Right. Uh, well, we're going uh, to take a short break 
in in uh and when we come back we want to sh- if you <laughs> will He's going to put me to the test. Yeah. <laughs> you will. We'd like to. This is called the, the something in the water white glove dancing Uh-oh. test. <laughs> and uh, if you will, we'd, we'd, I'm sure folks mm. at home would love to see it too. Great. All right. All right. Well, we'll be right back, folks. Something in my brain won't let me stray Something in my veins gonna find its way Something in the water taught me how to pray When the cold black water finds its way into your veins You'll never be the same well, everybody, hey, we're back. Uh, Something in the Water podcast with our guest, Eloise Justice. And uh, uh, we're fixing to get down. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Eloise is, anyhow, uh, only dance I know is the scribbled shuffle in it. And it goes <laughs> like that. That's the only one I know. But uh, Eloise is going to is going to entertain us right now with some clog dancing from South Georgia <laughs> to that great Felice and Boodle Bryant hit song, Rocky Top by the Osborne Brothers. Okay. Wish that I was on old Rocky Top down in the Tennessee So shoot, folks. I do better with the Beatles. The Beatles album. Are we rolling? Yeah, Yeah, he didn't tell you he was gonna have to dance for your supper. (laughs) Oh, you you didn't wear. You didn't bring the right shoes, did you? (laughs) Leather slides. Uh, You you sure can cut a rug. Thank you. Yeah. I told him he hadn't ever seen me do wipeout. He wouldn't. <laughs> oh, is that that's yeah. the one that was the 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 jackhammer? 
<laughs> I shake my behind. One guy says it's just like a jackhammer. <laughs> I told him you got not worth putting that on there. <laughs> we, uh, we're trying to keep this PG, okay? That might be for next time. We we'll have you back. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, that would have been uh that would uh, and you do do you uh actually do that uh that particular dance to uh, the the song Wipeout? Yes, I do. The the old venture song. Right. Yeah, I do another dance to the no, 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 And then when them drums go boom, 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 that's, that's another whole thing. That's, a, that's when the jackhammer comes right. out. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, nice. Thank you for doing that for us. Yeah, we appreciate that a whole lot. I, th I think the folks watching probably got a kick out of it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I see why everybody wants you to dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's something that you've been doing for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we was talking during the break too about uh, the uh, uh, our shared uh, genealogy and stuff. <laughs> you can't mm -hmm. grow up on the. Uh, around the swamp like we all are around here without us all being kin to one another i don't see how in the world that's possible because mm -hmm. you trace it uh back far enough you're gonna find out that we're all kin but uh you kin to adam i was kin to eve <laughs> you were a strickland mm -hmm. growing up and uh my uh mother's mother was a strickland from Brantley County. And my mom was a Strickland. And your mama was a Strickland. Now, Jace, uh, I mean, uh, Justin, uh, his family is from Manor. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the, the western edge of the swamp. And uh, my daddy, my, my, I'm sorry, my great, great granddaddy, Peter Griffin. Who? <laughs> <laughs> family guy. <laughs> He uh, grew up uh, on Cowhouse Island. I mm -hmm. think he moved uh, from, it may, may have been the Carolinas. or they, they came down the coast and came mm -hmm. across South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to find out about your family in Homerville, there is a Huxton or genealogy society. Yeah. Wow. And I looked in the book and I found the Stricklands where some of them did come across South Carolina. So mm -hmm. all you have to do is go over there and look in the books and it'll tell you when they came down across. Mm -hmm. They cut across and came through Claxton that way. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And Macklin, uh, our, our next she, guest, she, yeah. she's from Claxton. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. she's a fiddle player, 20-year-old fiddle player. She might be can do us, too. <laughs> right. Her mom's well, from Wackerall. from Wackerall. <laughs> and she was a, oh, what was, oh, I, man, I, can't, I can't remember. It, it escapes me. What her maiden name was. She she was a class of 80-something, uh, Ware County High School. Um, <clears throat> But uh, let's see. The Griffins, uh, uh, my great-great-granddaddy grew up on the Cowhouse Island. He was about 16 when he moved here. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't but a few short years after that that he uh, enlisted in, in in the war between the states. And mm -hmm. uh, he made it through that. I'm glad he did. <laughs> you wouldn't be around. I wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I'd have a lot more room on his couch. <laughs> <laughs> but it wouldn't be near as fun <laughs> no kick my feet up <laughs> oh there'd be somebody else sitting right here I'm sure <laughs> yeah but uh, he married uh, after he got back from the, uh, the war he married uh Margaret Thrift, another swamp girl, right? Who was uh, 
related to our good buddy Luther Thrift, who works out at the swamp, or used to work out at the Okefenokee Swamp Park. Uh, Um, Luther also worked with us at the post office, and he he could keep us awake uh, (laughs) on those uh, late, late nights, early, Mm -hmm. early mornings on that uh, graveyard shift that would work because he was a uh, chatty individual, and he knew his stuff, too. He told he, he told me, he said, I told him, I said, I was born at Fort Mudge, and he said, across the railroad track, I said, yes. He said, you're a true swamper. <laughs> 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 Just because I was born across the railroad tracks on the other side. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That made me a true swamper. Yeah, across the tracks, that's, that's the right. swamp. You're south mm. of the tracks. Yeah. Buddy, right. that is the swamp. The uh, Okefenokee Swamp is huge now. Yeah. I mean, we're, we've just got the... We're just at the top of it. We're at the top mm. northern edge of it in Waycross. Mm-hmm. If you go west, Maynard, Homerville, all of that, you're skirting the, uh, the northwest edge of it, and then you uh, take a left on 441. And uh, is that right? Is that right? Highway 441 goes to uh, Fargo, or is it 41? Yeah, 441. 441. You take a left in Homerville, and you're headed south on 441 towards Fargo and all. You're running down the west side of the swamp, Billy's Island and all that. Stephen C. Foster. Stephen C. Foster State Park. And, Billy's uh, Island's out that way. I thought it was Fargo. out. Yeah. I thought it was more like south of here. Now, I wanted to tell him, my mother's people were from around Argyle and Manor, and oh, they were kites in Beverly's. So mm-hmm. if you know any kites in Beverly's in Manor and Homerville, they're probably my relatives, too. Right. Do you know any? I know, I know of there's a kite road. I'm sure that's of the same lineage. How you spell that? K I G H T. That little cemetery in Manor. Right. That, well, it's Kite Cemetery. My mama's twin brother is buried there, and some of her brothers. They have a little private cemetery, and it's mm-hmm. called the Kite Cemetery. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, on Kite Road. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and uh, if you head east from Waycross, uh, or actually southeast, you're traveling down US one towards Jacksonville, and uh, before you leave uh, the state of Georgia, you hit a town called Folkestone, mm-hmm. and uh, that's about thirty thirty-five miles from Waycross. And you're skirting the top edge of the swamp in an mm-hmm. easterly direction there. And that's where Fort Mudge falls right before you get to Folkestone, mm-hmm. where you were born. Fort right. Mudge is just a little community there. Um, it's a big old swamp, though, folks. And there's been many movies and many songs written about it. Mm-hmm. And there's been people that actually got lost in it and never came back out and that happens even today i've always heard stories of uh airplane pilots making the mistake of flying over mm-hmm. at night this vast water expanse of water out there and on a clear night <clears throat> the stars above you are reflected in the water below so crystal clear that a pilot will get himself confused and think he's flying upside down. Mm-hmm. I've heard, heard I've heard of that happening disoriented. too. Disoriented. That's yeah. I don't know how real that is, but uh, sounds like an episode of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen enough. <laughs> I have seen enough to oh, know. Oh, Bear Grylls, you know the. Uh, Oh, yeah, survival, survival guy. Mm-hmm. They took him out in Okefenokee, and uh, that was one of the few places where he was like, "Come and get me! I can't do it." <laughs> hey, you can't do anything. It, the re- the reason he it wasn't the gators, the snakes, yeah. none of that. It was he he covered himself with mud 
for the mosquitoes. And he said, nothing will stop these mosquitoes from biting me. I've got to get out of here. <laughs> he, he called in the reinforcements to come get him. Yeah, that. And if you're in the middle of it, you can't even stand up. I mean, it's yeah. all just kind of shaky ground, you mm-hmm. know. You'd be. Exactly. Yeah. Trembling earth. You'd be Trembling lost. Earth. You'd uh, be lost for sure. Standing on shaky ground. That's an old song, too. Now, I've heard the, the story that that's why we don't have no hurricanes that ever came in here over the swamp. It was because of the vapor from the swamp vegetation that there's a vapor that hovers over, over the swamp. And when the storms come in, they don't come hmm. through that vapor. They go around it every time. I flat out believe that. I've, I've had that Because you've never, same ever heard thought, of one coming. You know? Is it the, uh, I don't know what they call it. I always thought it was the there depression. Was some, there's some. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, or something to do with the water. Or but the, in the bottom the, of the water. Uh, and the vegetation Vegetation together. down there, and it, then it's rotten, and it's on top of itself, and then it causes yeah. all this gas Peat, and stuff. Right. The moss. Peat moss. Peat, Peat moss. moss. It just on. keeps on de- decaying. Yeah. That's what the floating islands are made out of. Mm-hmm. It's hundreds of years of, of, of moss falling down and decaying and stacking up on itself in the well, water it act, it actually and building. Burp, it actually burps. You know, from under mm-hmm. the water, it right. burps and goes up to the top. And mm-hmm. over time, that moss turns into, it just gets bigger and bigger. And then it becomes dirt and then land. Yeah. And then you got a little floating island. And Yeah, it gets so deep. It's condensed so so thick. It gets so thick that it supports uh, vegetation. Trees yeah. <laughs> will, grow, right. will grow on them islands. Okay. And you know the Indians had a word for it, trembling earth, Okie Pinocchi, Okie Pinocchi, Okie Pinocchi. They're like, which means Trim- land of the trembling earth in Seminole, mm-hmm. and uh, that there was a uh, the history that I've read about it. There was a beautiful race of. Uh, uh, of Seminoles, I guess they were Seminoles, or or Sun, India, something about the Sun. They were a beautiful race uh, of beautiful women princesses. That in uh, the swamp, yeah, in the Okefenokee swamp. Isn't there like some Indian mounds that are like, they said the skeletons in it are like giants, or something. Oh, something man, in the swamp. I don't know. I had a, I got I got an old book about the Okefenokee, and I swear I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, there's some pictures in there. Fantastic mm-hmm. stories about the swamp. They they were like seven foot, eight foot mm-hmm. skeletons. It might have been the same uh, tribe that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. This was a very sophisticated. I mean, they had a village that was laid out symmetrically and everything that was. Like a lot of those uh, ancient civilizations, like the Incas and and the Egyptians and all of that, where they were remarkable with their uh, ability to do the math, you know, to build these uh, uh, very sophisticated. Right. You know, the Wallace family was massacred Mm -hmm. by Indians, and they just put all the Wallace family in a wagon and buried him out on the swamp road. You can yeah. go out there and... I, yeah, my grandparents live out that way, and I've always seen that sign. That marker. Yeah, now, I think the mounds you're talking about, I've heard about some in Folkestone. Maybe Somewhere it was there. around Folkestone that had some mounds. Maybe it was there. I, I know it was... I, I think I saw it in a book about the Okefenokee, so there's no, no telling where it was, but... Well, I had a friend that was fishing. She had a like a little houseboat. Mm-hmm. And she was on the Satilla River somewhere, and they were fishing, and she happened to look over on the side of the river where the water was lapping up, mm. and the water would hit the side and bounce back. And every time it bounced back, she could see something blue in the mud mm. over there. And she got curious about what it was, and she went over there, and it was an Indian bowl. 
wow. in perfect condition. Oh, Didn't have a chip what? or nothing, and it was embedded in the side of the mud. Wow. And they got that bowl, and she took it to town here and let us see it. Oh, that was goodness. the prettiest thing you ever saw in your life. It was blue and white. Uh-huh. And the Indians had made it, yeah. uh-huh. had the Indian designs on it. Dave and I just went on a little vacation in Tombsboro, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the river there, there was just several small pieces, not full bowls, but just like pottery, uh, just fragments, fragments yeah. with the little designs on pieces, them. So we, we got know, a little handfuls of pieces, you know. Did you uh, see the etchings in there, you know, the I never found any artifacts like that before. It was Pretty cool. Now, there's plenty of arrowheads here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I knew a man, I can't think of his name right now, Pete something. He used to go out in the, by the railroad tracks and stuff. He has a whole pile of arrowheads that he collected there. And he gave my first cousin, Shirley Carter, some of them. Mm. I wish he'd have gave me some, but he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask him, he probably would, but he gave her. Mm-hmm. He'd go out arrowhead hunting, and he'd find them beautiful arrowheads. Yeah. I've always wanted to find something like that. My mom talks about she grew up on Walker Street, and the house was raised up off the dirt. You know, and they yeah. would play under there as kids, and would find marbles, the little clay marbles, and mm-hmm. arrowheads and stuff. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yep. We have. Definitely got a history of uh, uh, genealogy right here in these parts. Uh, uh, we're kin to the Coxes as well. That's, that's another uh, a very, very swamp, uh, swamp family, family name. Um, in a lot fact, of musicians, yeah, and, uh, uh, well, players. Oh, that's what we were talking about. How how the family, the Cox family, seems to be uh, very musical. Mm-hmm. We need to have Marty on. I can tell you how to tell a Cox. My daddy told us. He, he, <laughs> said, he said, "Well, you know, his mother was a Cox," and Dad would say he'd tell everybody. He, he every Cox. Never, he never ever saw a cox that couldn't sing, dance, or make music. Yeah, they just have that in their blood, and in, yeah. in any generation it comes out, they they're gonna sing, dance, or make music. And I I tell everybody, huh, all my talents in my feet. I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there was a. Uh, uh, very talented family is still still some of them living, but uh, the patriarch of the family was Hubert, mm-hmm. and uh, he uh, was a local fiddler. Had his a family band. All of his sons grew up playing in the band, and his wife, I think, uh, played the stand up bass. Mm-hmm. It was the uh, Hubert Cox uh, or the Cox. Family Bluegrass Band, I think is what they call themselves. They might have had a name for it other than that, but everybody around here knew them. And I know uh, a family friend of ours, uh, Ben Smith, Judge Ben Smith, would have uh, 4th of July barbecues out at his river house in Pierce County, and he would always hire Hubert Cox and them to uh, play at it. Mm-hmm. So I've seen him out there many a time, and uh, he's got a son now carrying on the legacy, Marty Cox. Uh, hopefully we can get him on mm-hmm. one of these episodes. <clears throat> well, folks, it's time once again for another tale of the week f- from Uncle Dave Griffin. That's me. And uh, this one is... has no title whatsoever, but uh, I hope you enjoy it. In 1998, I was still employed by the U.S. Post Office (laughs) 
selling stamps to the public. Lawyers, secretaries, accountants, bankers, farmers, blacks, whites, Latinos, food stamp recipients, stamp collectors, housewives, and one of the first cross-dressers in Waycross all loved the fact that they didn't have to lick stamps anymore. My wife Lynn and I didn't go out a whole lot back in those days, but when we did, I never failed to run into a Waycross musician who would always say, we need to get together and pick sometime. On this particular summer night in 98, the musician who said it was my old buddy Charles McClellan. As we drove home from the bar, I said to Lynn, you know, musicians always saying that, but nobody ever does anything about it. By God, we're going to do something. So the plans were hatched, a date was picked, and a flyer was handmade. I called the gathering the first annual Griffin Guitar Pool, making sure I tagged first annual on it because if we were going to put time and energy into this endeavor, then it would be something we would do again. I borrowed the guitar pool name after reading about the annual Harlan Howard Birthday Bash and Guitar Pool held in Nashville, Tennessee, in honor of the Dean of Country Music Songwriters. I had the pleasure of meeting Mr. Harlan Howard earlier in 98 during one of my few trips to Music Row publishing houses with my friends, brothers Bill and John Randall Smith. The Nashville restaurant where we got our morning caffeine buzz had a bar in it. At each bar stool, there was a bronze placard indicating precisely who that stool belonged to. I saw Harlan Howard's name on one and quizzed the bartender who assured me he comes in here every afternoon. So after Smith Griffin Smith made our rounds to the publishing companies, we returned to the restaurant for nourishment, all but forgetting about the bronze placard that bore Harlan's name. Sure enough, he came sauntering in and sat down on his bar stool just as our food arrived. I pushed my plate back and told John and Bill, I'll never be able to eat knowing that the man who wrote I Fall to Pieces and Heartaches by the Number is less than 10 feet away from me. So I collected my nerve, walked to the bar, and introduced myself. He was as congenial as a favorite uncle. He offered me the stool next to him and was totally unfazed when I dropped the Nashville handshake on him. That's when a nobody walks up to a somebody and hands him a tape or CD of their original songs. We chatted for 15 minutes. He signed his autograph on a folded lyric sheet I had stuffed inside my pocket and told us to send whatever new songs we came up with directly to his office. Nothing ever came of it, but meeting Harlan Howard is a memory that I'll forever treasure. The first annual Griffin Guitar Pool was planned for the Saturday following Thanksgiving in 1998. About 20 people showed up, including this guy right here. <laughs> he was there. He's been at every one of them, every all 23 of them. Uh, um. About 20 people showed up with guitars, alcohol, lounge chairs, and potluck dish for supper. We set up a small sound system on the back patio and played music till midnight. It felt good. By 2001, the backyard gathering had taken on a new name, the annual Graham Parsons Guitar Pool, in honor of the man who spent the first 12 years of his life in Waycross, Georgia. Later, as a member of the Birds and Flying Burrito Brothers, Graham Parsons pioneered a new musical genre by fusing country, R&B, and rock and roll together to form what he called Cosmic American Soul Music. My wife and I were unprepared for what happened that Thanksgiving weekend in 2001 when over 200 folks gathered in our backyard and home. The music played, people sang and danced, and the local police showed up at 2 in the morning to lay it to rest. <laughs> the next day, we woke to find eight dirty footprints in our bathroom jacuzzi tub and decided that it was time for a change. 
So in 2002, with the help of local Graham Parsons historian and songwriter Billy Ray Heron, I booked Walter Egan and the Brooklyn Cowboys with Lana Hines, along with John Cornell, for the first open to the public Graham Parsons guitar pool. It was held once again on the Saturday following Thanksgiving at our local honky-tonk Little Nights. Between 5 p.m. and midnight, guests were treated to a cosmic American earful of music from supporting acts. My nephew Graham Griffin, my daughter Megan Griffin Stewart, C.C. Ryder, Luke the Drifter, The Holy Smokes, Brack Haynes, Sean's band Jack Cadillac, Johnny Davis, Greg Hester, and Hickory Wynn. The little backyard gathering that began in 98 is now in its 24th year. A full-fledged outdoor music festival offering three days of musical entertainment complete with RV and tent camping. Vendors selling everything from food, clothes, and jewelry to art, incense, and wood burnings. And an audience full of love, peace, and reverence. Through the years, fans have come to Graham's hometown guitar pool to hear the music of Marty Stewart, Firefall, the Kentucky Headhunters, Leon Russell, Charlie Leuven, Dr. Ralph Stanley, Jim Lauderdale, Sneaky Pete Kleinow, Bernie Ledden, Ian Dunlop, Kevin Kinney, Randall Bramlett, Tommy Talton, Scott Boyer, Bloodkin, Lana Hines, Jim White, Faisu Starling, Grayson Caps, Jay Farrar, Elizabeth Cook, Rodney Dillard, Levi Lowry, Underhill Rose, and Daniel Romano. Parsons' legendary former road mangler, Phil Kaufman, has been down twice. And Stanley Booth, author of Dance with the Devil, The True Adventures of the Rolling Stones, has made a special appearance. The true essence of the festival, though, lies in the hearts of the supporting artists and musicians who love the music of Graham Parsons. From Canada, New York, California, Tennessee, the Carolinas, Florida, and Georgia, they consider it an honor to play Graham's songs on the stage in his hometown, Waycross, Georgia. Last year, due to the pandemic, we had to cancel our live event. But with the help of Justin Mercer and Caution Light Media, we were able to host a virtual online tribute with 20 artists performing their favorite Graham Parsons and Cosmic American songs. I have one thing. <laughs> uh, Dave, you've been in the music for many years, entertaining people, promoting the music, and even take time for someone like me that's not a great musician. I just use their great music to do my dance. Yeah. <laughs> but without that, I couldn't. So on behalf of, I would like to give you this gift. Oh. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I uh I've been uh sometimes I've 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 been paid at at, at gigs. <laughs> sometimes I've made a little bit of money and sometimes I've made a little bit more. But I ain't never I ain't never been oh look, I ain't never been paid with a double eagle quarter. <laughs> look oh, wow. That. <laughs> what in the world? That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that Thank so you. much. That, we appreciate a, you too. That's uh, two uh, 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 tails. <laughs> Heads I win, tails you yeah. lose. <laughs> Can I, uh, I think you just became a betting man. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, <laughs> let's see if I can, uh, I'm going to walk this over to the camera, Justin. And, uh, Show the folks up close right there. Might not can focus that close. Can I do that? Yeah, you can wear it over there. I think so. Get it out. Yeah. I've never seen one of those. Here you go. You probably can do it better than me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you for That's, coming on. Yeah. Here. Thank you. That I was, appreciate all of you all, too. You've been just great. That's, uh, that was a, a wonderful episode tonight. Well, folks, we appreciate y'all tuning in as well, and uh, we hope that y'all will continue to watch our little uh, podcast and uh, and communicate with us if you'd like. Uh, tell us what you think or uh, give us some uh, <laughs> advice <laughs> 
or <laughs> tips, pointers, whatever you think, uh, you can uh, just shoot us a message at something in the water podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And we also have a Patreon. Uh, if you'd like a little bit more something in the water podcast, we do a thing on there called the deep end. And uh, they can search where they search Justin the deep end or something in the water. Something in the water. Yeah, you can go to the Facebook page and you'll see a link to the Patreon or YouTube. There'll be a link to the Patreon. You can follow that and subscribe. All right. Or you can just go to uh, patreon.com, I guess, and search, search for something in the water. Podcast. Something in the water or the deep end. And you'll be able to find us one way or another. And the good thing about it is that the Patreon account is a mere five dollars a month folks you can't you can't get entertainment <laughs> that cheap <laughs> not nowadays no. <laughs> and as good as it is too mm. yeah now, now i'm uh, bragging a little bit but our deep ends have been known to shave the legs of, <laughs> of certain <laughs> certain folks and <laughs> curl your hair <laughs> Well, we do like on the deep end. We do like to get out there a little further. So, uh, it's something that you might enjoy there. But once again, thank you, Eloise, for being our guest, and uh, thank you all. We shall see y'all the next time. Hey.